Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Can we put our hands together for Pastor Kath? Come on, let's honour this amazing mum of the house. Keith, stay there. Don't go off and smoke a cigarette yet. Just hang out. That's what they do at the back there. You know that, right? You know, as Pastor Tom was up here, I felt so clearly. For those of you who are new to church, we serve a God who loves us, not a God who's angry. And Jesus gave His life so that we could find life. And one of the last things Jesus did was He took three of his favourites. Don't say God doesn't have favourites because he does. He took three of his favourites to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said to Peter, James and John, would you stay here and pray for me while I go and seek God? Now, if the Son of God needs people to pray for him because he's about to face one of the toughest things he's ever faced, wonder how much more our senior pastors would appreciate and be uplifted by not just prayer in the time of heightened crisis. But Tony's now home and it'd be very easy for us to go out of crisis mode. I think about Lisa. She just told me four months today. And Jesus went and prayed and when he came back, he found the three asleep. He said, couldn't you just pray? And I wonder if a church, as a church, if we could make a commitment. I'm going to talk to you like family because I see you as family. This is like just, we're just, we're family. It's like life victory. But I wonder if we could make a commitment for the next four weeks. That every hour of every day, someone in church is praying for Pastor Tony and Kath and for the Gugliamucci family. I wonder if I worked it out on my phone because I'm not good at math. It would take 42 people to commit praying four times a week. And we would have these two families covered in prayer every hour of every day for the next month. And all you'd have to do is say, I'll do four times a week. And I would love if you'd love to be part of that. I'm so family, I'm going to put tasks on people. Uh, I would love if you'd love to be part of that to see Ash after the service. And we'll create a roster. I'm on it. I'm one of the, you only need 41 because I'm one of those 42. I will commit to four times a week praying for these two families. So we need 41 more people to say, I'll be on a roster and let's pray. And I believe, I believe with all of my heart, I said it in the chapel service, I believe with all of my heart that all of heaven is leaning in and all of heaven has your back, Victory Church. All of heaven is behind you. I'll read Hebrews chapter 12 and it says, Therefore, now since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race set before us. And some of us are down on our haunches. I ran a half marathon once. I repented afterwards, but I ran a half marathon once, never did it again. 
And about halfway through, I'm like, Whew. you know, the crazy thing is I knew that in about a mile, my family was going to be around the corner. My kids and my wife with a big sign, you can do it, dad. Do you know, as soon as I knew they were going to see me, I went from, and I puffed up and put a smile on my face. Ran like I was running the first kilometer. Why? Because when you know someone's cheering you on, you get a second wind. When you know someone is cheering you on, it, it puts faith into you and strength in you for the joy. When you know someone is cheering you on, it, it's not just a nice gesture. There is an infusion of hope. We want you to know, not only are we cheering you on, but I reckon all of heaven, all of heaven, He's looking over the balconies, saying, we got your back. We got your back. We're going to get through this. And by God's grace, we are going to make the devil pay for everything he intended for harm. People are going to be helped in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that as you lead us through this season, we fix our eyes on you, knowing you are the author and the finisher. You are Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and the end. The God who started is the God who will finish and walk with us in the middle. So Father, we pray that you would have your way in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, can we put our hands together for God who will get us? Come on, let's honour and worship. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So good. Turn around, give someone a hug, a handshake, a high five. Whatever's appropriate, don't make it creepy. Don't cross a boundary. Thank you, team. Can we give these guys a huge, huge hand? They're amazing. You ever notice that everyone's different? Four people, that's awesome. The rest of you are very unobservant. Have you ever noticed that everyone is different? Look to your neighbor. Have a look at your neighbor. Just study them for a moment. Have a look. All the married people don't gaze. Just look. All the single people don't gaze. It's really awkward. I'm going to prove to you everyone's different. Look at your other neighbor. Don't gasp. Just look at your other neighbor. Everyone is different. Every, everyone likes different stuff and is wired differently. There, there's nothing more that will highlight how different we are than marriage. All the married people said. Like I thought my wife and I were a little bit different when we were dating. And then we got married. I'm like, what are you? How many, how many cat people do we have in here? Look, if you're a cat person, now's your time to be proud, not like... How many cat people do we have in here? How many dog people do we have in here? There's a, there's a guy on our staff who started pranking me. I'm the wrong guy to prank. I'll go to jail to win a prank. I'm, I'm, I'm the wrong guy to prank. So about six weeks ago, I was leaving the office. I walked into where our pastors are hanging out and I said goodbye to them and said to one of our pastors, I said, hey, uh, what are you doing tonight? He said, oh, I'm go we're going to pick up our new pet. I'm like, that's awesome. What sort of pet are you getting? He said, I'm getting a cat. So I very graciously... Spent the next three minutes telling him what I think of cats, uh, which didn't go well. 
Uh, let's just put it that way. Then about, I forgot about that. And about two weeks ago, I get this handwritten card in the mail. I'd completely forgotten about that conversation. Get this handwritten card in the mail saying, Dear Pastor Scott, would you come to my house and dedicate my cat? I haven't been able to have children and this cat is like a child to me. It would mean the world if you would come and dedicate my cat. Yours faithfully, Carol. So I gave it to our regional pastor. I said, find out who this lady is. She's really sick. She needs help. (laughs) Forgot about it. A week later, I get another card in the mail, handwritten, stamps and all, delivered in the mail. Dear Pastor Scott, while I await your reply on the request for in-home dedication, would life ever consider having a cat blessing ceremony? Then went in to go the whole plan. Can you imagine it? The little felines coming in. A great sense of excitement. Yours sincerely, Carol. I switched on. I'm a pretty perceptive leader and I know which people in my team can lie and which people can't lie. So I went to one that can't can't lie and I said, Coral, look at me in the eyes. Do you know who's behind this? Oh, ah, ah. All right, thank you. That's all I need. I went on a hunt to find out who was behind the cat letters. I found out who was behind the cat letters. So on the last night of conference, which was, what day is it? I'm in church Sunday. The night before last. <laughs> Sorry. The last night of conference, I had a professional sign writer come in and put a sign on the back of the car of the person who did. Would you like to see the sign? Check this out. Official cat celebrant. Perfection is our aim. Weddings, funerals, and kitty counselling. Phone Alan the Cat Whisperer on, and that is his cell phone number. I got a text this morning. He's had 10 phone calls from people. We're all very different. Very, very. Anyone like camping in here? Anyone like camping? Who are the campers? Why would you work 48 weeks a year to go and act homeless for three weeks? I mean, I love camping. I love camping. As long as there's Hilton written over the front door of my tent. Come on, how many gardeners do we have in here? How many gardeners? How many gardeners? My definition of hell is being in a tent, having to tend a garden with a cat. (laughs) We're all very, very, very different. But you know, there's so many noises, there's so many voices, there's so many things vying for our attention. You think about your drive to church this morning. How many, after you got up and the TV went on, there's signals and noises. After you checked your Instagram or whatever, there's signals and noises. All the billboards between your house and here, there's signals and noises. And then just the regular pull and push of life. There's jobs and kids and uh, they're trying to buy a house or buy a bigger house or put an extension on the home or pay the car off or, 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 or keep the boss happy or this deadline. There are so many noises and there's so many signals coming our way that oftentimes I believe in the 21st century, we can actually miss the thing that is most important and it doesn't matter what you do and it doesn't matter where you're going. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. Every one of us have the same call of God and that's to reach people. 
This year at Victory, we've bannered the year, if you like, reach and reproduce. Because there is a city outside of these walls who are desperate to hear the good news that you have. They're desperate to hear about the Saviour that you serve. They're desperate to hear about the grace and forgiveness that you've experienced. And every one of us are called to reach and reproduce. Every one of us are called to make a difference in our world. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you love cats or dogs, camping or hotels, gardening or concrete. It doesn't matter what, whether you're a student, a mum, a business person, a business owner, unemployed. It doesn't matter where you are. God wants to use your world to reach people in your world. God wants to do something through you that would bless others. And I want to read you a scripture. Anyone want to live a life of miracles? Again, four people. This is really encouraging. I feel like I've really heard from God here. Come on, anyone, anyone want, to, want to see a life of miracles? And can I encourage you? It's, it's not as grandiose and as complicated as maybe you thought. John chapter 2 says this, verse, starting in verse 1, says, On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, because all the arts people were on a break and drank it, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Can you imagine talking to your mum like that? Try that on the way home. See how it goes for you. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw out and take it to the master of the banquet. So they did. And the master of the banquet tasted the water and, and that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. You know, when you live a life that is used by God, you actually get the inside scoop on how God works. The Bible says no one knew what had happened. And in society, there's a lot of people who don't see Jesus working. But when you're part of what Jesus is working with, you get to see Jesus working. You get to see what Jesus is doing. Uh, then he called, to the bride, he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine at first, but the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the first miracle that Jesus did. The first miracle that Jesus performed. The first, isn't it amazing? The first miracle that Jesus performed wasn't something that, that someone necessarily crucially needed, but it was something that was important to someone else. You know that God isn't just interested in the crucials of your life. He's interested in the every part of your life, the every area of your life. And I want to be someone who is used by God to see miracles happen for others. I want to be someone who is used by God, who sees miracles happen, not just for my own life, but for those who are in my world. And I can be used of God. No one knew, but the servants knew what Jesus had done. I want to be one of the servants who 
knew what Jesus did in someone else's life. We're called to reach and reproduce. Reach with what? Reach with the power of Jesus to see the power of Jesus make a difference in someone's life. I want to be someone who is used of God. I don't know about you. So I'm going to give you three quick thoughts about what it, how, how we can use by God. Because I think we get so enamored with the miracles. We think, well, that could never be me. I could never do that. Reaching and reproducing, that's cool for the person next to me. That's cool for the person who owns a business. That's cool for the person who has a certain gift or is wired a certain way or speaks on the platform or has the ability to worship leader. I can reach and reproduce if, if I had that person's gift. But every person is a candidate to be used by God to see miracles happen in someone else's world. I'm going to give you three thoughts. Number one, if you want to be used by God to see miracles happen, we have to have a desperation for His voice. We have to have a desperation for His voice. When was the Christian, if you've been in church for five years or 10 years or 15 years, when was the last time you were desperate to hear His voice? When was the last time? Well, we, we, here's the deal. The church, Victory Church, we've been going for 22 years. C- can I be really honest with you? We could do church without Jesus. We've been doing it for 22 years. We know how to do this. You think the lighting guys are led by the Holy Spirit when they put the lights on? Do you think the, do you think the guy who plays this guitar is led by the Holy Spirit to play a key? Do you think Pastor Tony needs the Holy Spirit to be able to speak eloquently? No, it's a gift that God has given him. And we can get so used to doing this stuff that we can actually do it on autopilot rather than, God, I want to hear your voice and know what you want to do. God, you know what I love about my senior pastor, who, by the way, sends his love and absolute commitment. He is praying for Victory Church and Pastor Tony and Kath every day. In fact, two weekends ago, we stopped every, we have 15 services across the weekend. We stopped every service and prayed for Pastor Tony and Kath and Victory Church right across our church two weeks ago. We are behind you. We are with you. You know what I love about my senior pastor is it doesn't matter whether it looks logical or not. If God speaks, we do it. If God speaks, we go there because He has seen the fruit of doing that. When was the last time you were desperate to hear His voice? November of last year, I went to Cambodia. I go to Cambodia once or twice a year. We have a great partnership with a church up there. And this time I took my daughter for the first time. She's 14 years old. She's amazing. Uh, and this trip just wrecked her. We took her to Cambodia, and she's actually a writer, and she just won a writing competition, writing about how her writing can help the plight of Cambodia. Uh, So it did something amazing. But on on our way back, we had 48 hours in uh, Hong Kong, and I thought after after being in Cambodia for 10 days that I'd spend two days in Hong Kong with her, just debriefing and talking and just having some great time. And the end of our time there, our flight left at like, I think, 7 p.m. in the day, but we had to check out of where we were staying at like 11. So we went to this mall. The mall was massive in Hong Kong. It's one block. The mall takes up an entire block. It is huge. It's like six or seven stories high. And on the bottom floor of this mall literally is an airport terminal check-in. Like you go to the mall to check in. You give them your bags. You get your boarding pass. The whole gig, you, you check it in. Then you just go shopping. So at about lunchtime, I said to uh, Micah, who, I said, hey, what do you want for lunch? She goes, I'd like some Asian food. Like, Come on, we've just been in Cambodia. You haven't had enough noodles and stuff? Like seriously. I'm like, okay, whatever. So this is your trip. So we go. So any person who 
knows anything about being in a different city, you go to where all the locals are to get the good food. So we found the place that had a line of locals hanging out of it on the seventh floor or the top floor of this uh, mall. So I'm standing in line and I've got my little buzzer thing and my daughter leans to me after we'd been standing in line for about two minutes, goes, Dad, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm like, really? We've been walking around for three hours and now you just like, girls, what is wrong with... Anyway, so she says... And it, so I go to the, the patron at the restaurant and said, hey, could my daughter go in and use the bathroom uh, and then we'll just come back in line? She goes, well, we don't have a bathroom, but if you look about 30 metres down there, there is a McDonald's and there's a bathroom behind the McDonald's. Mums, please look away at the moment because I can feel your eyes about to dagger at me. So I look at my daughter. I'm not going to lose my spot in this line. I've been in it for two minutes. I'm like three deep in the line now. If I leave, I'm going to be right back to the beginning. I'm not losing my spot in this line for some little 14-year-old to go to the bathroom. So I said, hey, babe, you walk down there. It's about 30 meters away. I can see you. We, we can have high sight the whole way. You go to the bathroom. When you're done, just come back and see me. If by chance, while you're in the bathroom, I get called in, I'll just go into the restaurant and sit down. And when you walk in, I'll wave to let you know where I am. Yeah, okay, cool. She had her phone with her, but outside of wireless, there was no ability because we didn't have international roaming on it. She's on some prepaid plan. There is no international roaming. So I'm sitting down. So literally 40 seconds after I can't see her anymore and she's gone in, uh, I get called in. My little buzzer goes up. So I walk in, I sit down, and I'm waiting. Five minutes goes by. Ten minutes goes by. Fifteen minutes goes by. I'm like, this, this isn't right. She hadn't even got a friend to talk to in there. So she's not in there chatting to a friend. 20 minutes goes by. I'm nervous as heck at this stage. 25 minutes goes by. All the mums stop looking at me like you hate me right now. <laughs> and I think, what do I do? If I leave here and try and go and find her and she shows up, she's going to panic because I'm not here. If I stay, I'm a man. I need to fix. I need to do something. I need to fix something. What do I do? At that point, my phone rings. I pick up the phone and it's her number. I don't know. I actually think we had a miracle. She shouldn't have been able to call. We're in a different country, no roaming. She go, she, I pick up the phone and she's crying. She's, Dad, I'm lost. I said, what were you thinking? Where? No, I didn't. I thought it. But I said, babe, where are you? She goes, I don't know where I am. Can you come and get me? I'm like, sure. Tell me what store you're outside and I'll come to you. She goes, I don't know. It's all in Chinese. I'm like, um, okay. So at that moment, I hear in the background a lady say, are you okay, honey? I said to her, Micah, look, put the lady on the phone. So she puts the lady on the phone and there is this softness in her voice. You know how even over the phone you can get a sense whether someone's safe. So I said, this lady felt like she was amazing. So I said, hey, uh, my daughter's lost. Can you tell me where? She goes, don't worry about it. I'll stay with you. I'll stay with her until you find her. I said, thank you. So she told me where it was. Literally, I go to the information desk that she told me she was outside the store and I walk around the other side of the mall, which remember, it's a city block. I walk across a block of a city and I find Micah, as we link eyes, we're about, she leaves this lady and comes running towards me and embraces me, bawling her eyes out. I said, babe, where were you? What happened? She said, well, I went to the bathroom and there was a line in the bathroom. Felt like saying you should have used the guys because there's never a line in the guys. But she, was, she goes, oh, 
I went to the bathroom and when I walked out of the bathroom in the line, I saw a sign for other toilets. And so I just followed the signs to the other toilets and I, I went to use the toilet. And when I got out, I realized I had no idea where I was. She said, and then I felt like the Holy Spirit tell me to try and call you. But I said to the Holy Spirit, it's good to know that the fighting with the Holy Spirit starts at 14, right? She goes, but I said to the Holy Spirit, my phone won't work. But I felt like I should just do it anyway. Then the lady who was with her said, I was walking through the mall and I felt like God say, stay with this young girl until she's reconnected with her father. I wonder how many people in your world are lost and have no idea where they are. No idea what's going on. And are just waiting for someone to hear the voice of God say, would you stay with them until they connect to their father? Would you stay with them until I can get to them, until they can put themselves? Would you stay with them? And you know what? Reaching people sounds daunting, but when you break it down, salvation's not on us. Their decisions are not on us. What they do with the message is not on us. I've got a news check for us, church. We're not great saviors. Jesus is. We don't have to save anyone. All we've got to do is do what Jesus asks us to do. If He prompts you to say something, He prompts you to write a letter, He prompts you to ask someone out to dinner, He prompts you to move along. He prompts you to encourage. All we've got to do is be desperate to the voice of God and say, God, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. Salvation's not on us. It's on Him. Obedience is on us. All I've got to do is do what He asks me to do. Are we desperate in a, in a, in a season where we're believing God to reach and reproduce? Are we desperate to hear the voice of God? Verse 3 says this, When the wine had gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. But his mother said to the servants, Do what he tells you to do. Victory Church. God is saying to you, salvation of your neighbourhood is not on you. Just do what I tell you to do. do. Well, can we believe God that in 6 to 12 months there are people in church because we just did what God asked us to do. People's lives are turned around. Why? Because we did what God asked us to do. Yeah, but what if they don't like the message? That's not on us. That's on Him. What if they don't believe me? That's not on us. That's on Him. Now don't get all freaky Christian and start pointing bony fingers of condemnation and judgment. And you know what? Just be you, be normal, be natural, love people and journey with people. Just do what He asks you to do. Reality check. God wants to reach, encounter and touch people in your world even more than you want to. He just needs a vehicle. Just do. Imagine what would happen this week if we spent time just listening. Just listening. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I can't make much difference. It's, it's just one. You know, there's 4.7 billion people. If you took a national census, there's about 7, 7 billion people on the planet at the moment. About 3 billion of them confess to be Christians. Now, it's, who knows where they are? Let's just take their word, 3 billion. There's 4 billion people on the planet who don't know Jesus. It's real easy to look at that and go, yeah, well, four billion, yeah, whatever. Four billion, if you stood them together, toe to heel, chest to back, four billion people would circle the widest path, 
part of the earth 4.3 times. And some of those God is saying, you can reach them. When I lost Micah, I've got three kids. When I lost Micah, I didn't think, oh, I've got two more. It's all right. I've got two more. What does God think? When one of his kids are not there. Oh, I've got 4.3 billion more. No, no, no. Every one of them. And you're placed in their world to have a voice and make a difference. And that that pressure's not on you. All you've got to do is say, God, I need your voice and I'll do whatever he asks me to do. Just do what he asks you to do. Number two, we need to have an appreciation for what we already have. We need to have an appreciation for what we already have. I remember a few weeks ago, I, I'd lost my Bible for like three weeks and I was okay with it, but I'm on my phone talking to my wife and I'm running around frantically and trying to get the kids together. And I'm trying to... Um, Dad, you ever looked after your kids for one day and thought, God, thank God I have a full-time job. Come on, you need to give your wife a pay rise or something for, for real. So I'm looking after my kids and I'm talking to my wife on the phone because she was out of town and there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on and I couldn't find my, I hadn't thought about my Bible for like three weeks and I'm, I'm talking and she's hearing my voice get more and more agitated, agitated. She, Are you okay? I'm like, I can't find my phone anywhere. She goes, uh, are you talking to me on it? That's not the point. Don't laugh at me, all you people with glasses. Every one of you have had them up on your head and yelled at someone for misplacing your glasses. Can I suggest that everything you need is already in your hand? The Bible says that nearby stood six stone jars they used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Each hold about 20 to 30 gallons. The ceremonial jars were something that every Jewish household had. Every Jewish household, that was just the ceremonial jars. Everyone needs a ceremonial jar. Everyone needs one of those to to do the Jewish life. They're just ceremonial jars. They didn't have an LED light going across them saying, this is what God wants to use. They were just the ceremonial jars. Everyone had one. And I was at a birthday party a few weeks ago, five-year-old's birthday party, a friend of mine, uh, and he wanted a shark for his birthday because that's what you want at five years old, a shark. His friend gave him the present. He opened up the present and it was one of those shark seeds. You ever seen those where you got like a blob and you put it in a glass of water and over the next three months it becomes a shark and a growing shark. This kid opens up this thing and goes, "Looks." I'm glad it wasn't my kid. Looked at the kid that gave it to him and went, I wanted a shark. At that point, the parents believed God that the ground would open up and swallow them. And the kid went, it is a shark. You just got to put it. No, 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 I wanted a shark. And then his dad came alongside and said, if you just do what I tell you with it, it will become a shark. How many Christians are saying, I want to make a difference. I need to be able to speak like that and operate like that. And I want to be an extrovert, not an introvert. And I want to be able to connect and talk to people. I want to be able to make a difference. I don't think Christians wake up going, I don't want to make a difference today. They just don't believe they can make a difference today. And they're looking at what's in their hand right past that to things that they don't have. When God says, if you just use what's in your hand, I'll help you make a difference. Just pick up the ceremonial jar and I'll help you make a difference. Use your job. Use your sport. Use your gifts. Use your neighborhood. Use what 
whatever it is you have in your hand and say, God, I give it to you. And through that, you'll make a huge difference with what's in my hand and appreciation for what we already have. How many times do we focus on what we don't have? If I had their personality, if I had their opportunity, if that didn't happen to me, then maybe I could make a difference. No, no, no. We're all different, but God wants to use every single one of us to make a huge difference. Remember Moses who God says to him, because the children of Israel were in captivity under a whole other nation, and God says to him, I'm going to use you to make a difference in their life. I want to see you and what I do through you cause freedom for someone else. And Moses said, I can't do that. I can't speak right and I'm not from the right pedigree. God, you got the wrong guy. I'm too nervous. I stammer. I, I can't. And God says, I'm not asking you for what you don't have. I'm asking you for what you do have. I'm not asking you for what you're not equipped with. I'm asking you for what you are equipped with. What is in your hand? And Moses said, well, it's just a staff. And, but I've always had this staff. Every shepherd has a staff. I've lived with this staff. I, I've used it every single day and I've got so familiar with it, but I can't see you using it. How many of us have something in our hand? God is saying, what is in your hand? Would you begin to activate it this week to reach and reproduce and make a difference in someone's life? What is in your hand? Number three, band, come on back and join me. So number one, we need to have a desperation to hear His voice. Number two, we need to have an appreciation for what we have. And number three, we need a desire for people to see Him clearly. You know, I kind of studied it out. Those six ceremonial jars that held 30 to 40 gallons each, if you were to fill them up, and then empty them out into what we have now as wine bottles. I think a wine bottle is, Ash, how many? 750? <laughs> Kathy, you need to do something about Ash. Um, he just rolled off his tongue way too easily. Uh, if you were to empty those ceremonial jars into wine bottles, it would make 908 bottles of wine. Did you hear me? 900. What flippin' wedding needs 908 after the guests are drunk? Did you read the Bible? After the guests were drunk, they run out of wine. Someone's going to rock up with another 908 bottles. A wine on the wall, 908 bottles. How, well, 908! Come on, Jesus, that's a bit excessive now. I just needed a couple of the good stuff. That's all we needed. I needed three. But you rock on up here with 908. Do you th think that if he had rocked up with three, we would have had verse 11 that says, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first signs of which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Man, I could have gone to Liquorland and got three. But I don't know whether even Liquorland has 908 bottles of wine. 
God wants to do something so spectacular in your world that people look at your life and go, God must be real. God, there has to be a real, because I know that guy and he's not that good. Victory Church? Yeah, I couldn't do that. No, you couldn't. I'm not that good enough. No, you're not. Yeah, but I know me. So does God. Yeah, but I know my fault. So does God. And He still wants you to be a part of a story that creates 908 bottles of wine in an, not literally because Ash would have a problem, but we, He wants to do over and above and beyond what you could ever ask, think or imagine to create a story so the people in your world go, Jesus is real, I can trust Him. Come on, when we reach and reproduce, it's not just more work. It's not another, oh, well, I guess I just need another eight nights out a week. Have 47 people over for dinner and maybe I'll reach. No, no, no. Listen to God. These ones. Okay, I'll invite them over. If you can't cook, for goodness sake, take them out. And God wants to use your world with what's in your hand to make a statement to say that He is real. If people clearly see Him, they'll do, the, they'll do life the way they were meant to do with Him. There's a poem from Todd Field, who's a pastor in New York, who works alongside some of the most desperate situations. It says this, Jesus the fierce one, the stark table turner. Jesus the gentle, the prodder, the poker. Patient with fools. Anyone say thank God for that? The dead serious joker, teacher of scripture, the hero of whores, indifferent to money and feeder of scores. Jesus the sad, the one who laughs and who cries for people like me who are not so streetwise. Jesus who looks beyond numbers to faces, seeing some mercy in all the wrong places. Jesus the mender, you take me apart, put my heart in my throat and my eyes in my heart. You know what my prayer is for us, church? Is that the minute we leave, not tomorrow, the minute we leave this building, we'll say, God, I need your voice. When I go to lunch today, God, I need your voice. God, would you help me to see what to, I'm an encourager. Awesome, I'm going to encourage the hell out of people, literally. Come on. I can journey with people. Awesome, journey with them. I can do something practically. Do something practical. Whatever's in your hand, God, can I use it? And then let's believe God for people to see Jesus clearly. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 